When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we are back within our interview today. Um, today, uh, we have Ryan T. Montgomery. Uh, he is the wide receiver coach at Fern Creek High School. Coach, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. It's a it's a nice Friday. I get to do some basketball games, um, <laughs> and we'll kind of go from there. I mean, see what happens. I mean, going to go root on our That's girls fun. and make sure everybody's following everything they're supposed to be doing. So, I mean, yeah. can't complain. Anytime you get to see your student athletes, is always a good day. Um, oh man, blessing! That is a blessing yeah. right there. Believe me. Oh yeah, with, with us being digital right now, that's what I've told that to a couple of people is just part of reason why I enjoy doing site manager and this co-athletic director, whatever you want to call it, right now is because I get to see our kids, like boys and yeah. girls. I don't, I don't really care. I, you know, I'm a football coach. Like I love our female student athletes; they're great kids, and get to see our cheerleaders. And then some home games, I'll get to see our band, some of our band kids. So it's like, it's. I mean, because I sit in, right now in my room half two thirds a day either by myself or I might have like one or two people walk in. Like, it's just like, right. it's not, it's not, I need social interaction, coach. So it's not very exciting. <laughs> Believe me, I understand. We hold our meetings, uh, I hold my receiver meetings uh, via Zoom. And, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's totally different than your, your usual, you know, in person, getting on the board and stuff like that. Even being a school teacher, you know, so it's different from a kid raising their hand. You can physically see it and, I just helped them out by, yeah. you know, say physically saying, "Hey, here is where the answer could be found," compared to trying to, you know, circle stuff on a computer or something <laughs> like that. It's huge change, huge, huge change. Oh, so uh, let's start with um, for people who don't know who you are, or aren't familiar with you or anything. Um, how did you end up as a receiver coach in Fern Creek? What was kind of the the steps that led to that? Um. Well, I played I played receiver in high school, receiver defensive back in high school. I played at uh, Ken McKinley High School in Ken, Ohio. Um, and then I went on to college, and I thought I'd be a defensive back. You know what I'm saying? But uh, in that meeting room, things changed. I ended up being a wide receiver uh, for four years at Kentucky State University. Um, and then the the love and the passion for the position pretty much grew from there, just because of my receiver coach, uh, Cornell Burbage. Um, not saying that my high school coach wasn't great. But um, when you're you're more detailed and you have all the free time in the world almost as a, as a college student athlete, you learn more and watch the film and different techniques and stuff like that. And it pretty much uh, made me, you know, want to be a receiver, period. Um, the, the coaching part of it was, it, it's kind of funny because um, I was actually, after I graduated from, from college, actually moved to the Bahamas for, for two years, um, working on a program down there with the... Uh, Bahamas American Football Federation um, that was funded by the, the NFL or whatnot. And um, I just saw some young men down there that were really, really fast and stuff like that. And I don't even know how to explain it, but I just broke out some cones <laughs> <laughs> and we started doing receiver stuff, just basic route running things. And then, of course, they formed a team down there. And um, just traveling and stuff like that, I saw my, my love for coaching. Um, and mentoring young men and helping them understand the ins and outs of the position. And then what that turned into was me actually moving back to the States and coaching them at my alma mater at Kent McKinley for a few years under Ron Johnson. 
Then I moved to Columbus, coached, uh, I coached at Columbus South under uh, Keith Demi for about a year, year or two. Then moved back to Canton when they merged the high school between Kent McKinley and Timken. Um, and that's when I started coaching under uh, Coach Dan Reardon. Um, and then somehow, some way, uh, a blessing came and I landed an opportunity down here in Louisville, Kentucky at Fern Creek High School. Um, so the story is, is, is a big, broad, over-the-year story, but the main thing was it was just um, I paid homage to my, my college receiver coach because he was the one that pretty much um, lit the fire under me, if you want to put it that way, uh, honing in and understanding what the position was really, really all about as far as wide receivers. Oh, no, I understand that, Coach. And I'm familiar with a couple of the schools, obviously, being in Ohio myself. I, I actually used to live probably – 15 minutes from South High School, so Ooh, okay. yeah, I, I lived right by right by Briggs and um, okay, and yeah. West. So I wasn't like, like I said, reasonable drive depending on the traffic. And right, um, I've known some people that have kind of worked there through the years, and um, so yeah, I mean it's a it's an interesting area, but they have some athletes in that building, and they oh man, they've done some good I mean, things. The, the basketball program, the basketball oh. program is great. Um, I can't remember the head coach that that was there when I was there at, when I was at South, but I mean he he yeah. was a good dude. I think he was an alum. Yeah. Um, but as far as athletes, oh man, you you are playing. Oh, oh man, oh, great yeah. athletes. <laughs> that basketball program is, is, is legit. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that's always interesting. Now, now you talked about um, kind of more time receiver playing college. What were kind of like the basic? Well, not basic, but what were the main things you took away from your time? in college at Kentucky State as a receiver and kind of have taken and used as a high school coach and a high school receivers coach? Um, film. I mean, that was the biggest thing because uh, a lot of high school student athletes, they don't really understand the, the dynamics and the purpose and the reason why you watch film. And um, I'm huge on that as far as a high school coach. Um, I know some coaches, they, they, they talk about how big they are as far as with film, but my guys, we watch film every day. And it's not normally of um, of the game, you know. So we watch practice. Excuse me, we watch practice, and then you know I might watch. I might have it just watching basic stuff like footwork, um, because I tell the guys all the time, you know, what I'm saying if you can't get off the line of scrimmage, then there's no purpose in me teaching you the route concept or anything like that. And so, um, Coach Burb was <laughs> was huge on like twelve yard sprints, five yard sprints, and it was just because I want you to learn how to get off the line of scrimmage. I mean, we did that for about a week and a half, two weeks, my freshman year. No football, no routes, no nothing. We just did sprints for like two hours. And it seems crazy, but it's the truth. I mean, if you ask some of my teammates, it was like the weirdest thing in the world because he was like, hey, I want to see if you can get up to the line of scrimmage. And so he would watch film on it. And he would critique us on, you know what I'm saying, if you bend your knee the wrong way, how was your stance and stuff like that, where were your hands at? And um, the young men that I coach now, that I have coached in the past, they're they're film rats because they they understand exactly what they need to see on film, whether it's um, what the defense is like as far as the triangle, um, the safety, a corner, and then there's a linebacker, or just uh, where my hands at on first and ten, or what's my stance look like on second and fifteen or second and short, because those are the things that most teams don't pay attention to, but I do because I. I don't want my guys to be like robots or predictable. So um, <laughs> if I got to turn it down to one thing, man, it'll definitely have to be film and basic footwork, period. Okay. Now, now I, I'm always curious with receivers, and obviously ball drills are important, but how much do you try to 
Do you try to involve balls in about every drill you do? Obviously, outside probably like blocking, or is it kind of do you just do these specific ball drills and then focus other areas on other things? No, we. I mean, we. I try to incorporate a football with, with everything. Um, I know a lot of people use tennis balls and things like that, but I'm a I'm a huge fan on footballs. Like for instance, um, for pre practice, we might do pack and go until that's time to stretch. Like literally until the coach blows the whistle and it's time to stretch. And what we do during that period is, you know, so obviously you have a quarterback on one side of the field, the receivers, and then 15, 20 yards down, you have another quarterback set of receivers. And the key to it is not to do everything full speed, but to try to get as many catches in before we either go to individual drills or seven on seven or whatever the co- the, the, the practice plan holds for that day. Um, but uh, the goal is to let the receivers catch at least 100 balls a day, and that's across the board. Um, because we can get at least at least 20 catches in before practice. In practice, you know, so we do our stance to start to try to throw football. It seems weird, but I have um, – I don't have a TA per se, but, you know, there's, there's sometimes there's always a young man that might be hurt or might be finishing up paperwork or something like that, and he'll be my, my GA or whatnot, and he'll do stance to start. And what I'll do is I'll stand 5, 10 yards from the guys and just toss a ball to them just so they'll get used to, you know, having their eyes up when they come out to the line scrimmage, they're looking down at the ground all the time. Um, and, and pretty much any drill that I, we can, we're doing, there's going to be a football involved in it, except for, like you said, except for blocking and when we do releases. Um, but even on the sideline, like I've incorporated that. Like if this guy's hanging out on the sideline, per se, um, I, I ask him to play catch with each other. Just stand five, six yards apart and just toss the ball, catch the football with your eyes, tuck it away, and throw it back and forth. You know, I don't let them stand 15, 20 yards apart because it's it's, it's more so about the the, the, uh, the eye-hand coordination more than anything. And so it just, if I can, you know what I mean, I, that's what we do on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Now, um, is there anything you think that is undercoached or missed by a lot of high school receiver coaches? doesn't really matter the system, but – so anything that you think is kind of glossed over or not understood well? Um, it, it, route running. I mean, that, that's probably the biggest thing, the route running. You, you can say route running be number one, and then maybe blocking be number two. Because nowadays, you know, so everybody wants to fly guy. The guy didn't go deep. Just run deep. You see it during football camps. You see it, obviously, in the NFL and college, stuff like that. The guy that can go deep and run past everybody. He's a playmaker. But what people don't understand is, you know, like I <clears throat> I coach against Devin Smith. You know, there aren't that many Devin Smiths in the world. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> no. a Justin Olak on the other side. <laughs> and so when we when I was at McKinley, we played against Devin Smith and Justin Olak. To be real with you, we weren't even really worried about Devin Smith. We were worried about Olak because his routes were like incredible. And so, um, and that's what I, I harped on to our guys, you know what I'm saying? Anybody can run by somebody. All you need is the stack technique and so on and so forth, everything like that. But if you can run a route, legit, a curl, slant, hits, comeback, dig route, whatever you want to call it, if you can run that route and run it correctly, I mean, you're going to be wide open no matter what. Um, but route running has got to be one and blocking it the other because, you know what I'm saying, most coaches just say, man, hey, I need you to get in front of that guy and make a kill shot. Well, it's just like the running back. You know what I mean? If you don't bend your knees and keep your feet moving and have your hands in the right place and all this other kind of stuff, the small stuff that, that people don't pay attention to, I mean, you're just a wasted guy out there. And my my thing to the receivers are, 
know what I'm saying? You can watch as many running back highlights as you want to. Going back to the to the Eric Dickinsons, to the to the Emmitt Smiths, to the, the Reggie Bushes in college, to any NFL, college running back. If you watch the film, <laughs> there's a guy either in a single digit number or in an 80 number or something like that that's downfield that's paving the way. I mean, Ohio State had it happen, you know what I'm saying, last week where it was a quarterback. You know what I mean? Running backs don't score touchdowns by themselves unless they're inside the five, you know, say 10 to five yard line. Besides that, if they break for 40 plus, it's a receiver. And there's a technique to it that some coaches overlook. Um, or just to just say, okay, we're not going to worry about that because I got studs and worst case scenario, they get the job done anyway. But me, I we practice blocking and route running every day. And it's not the, uh, uh, not to keep going, but the main thing about route running is not to run the full route. You know what I mean? If you're running a hitch or a slant, you know, that's those, any, any short game routes, you can run the full route. But when you have post or, or digs or square ends or comebacks or curls or any kind of whip route, anything like that, we do the top of the route Yeah. to where I, I'll stand, you know what I'm saying, at the line of scrimmage and I had the receivers at about six, seven, eight yards upfield and then I just run the top of the route. We'll play catch or had a quarterback throw it to him, we'll time it up. But this is more so about seeing him get into the break and explode out of it. You know what I mean? It's like running track. You know, so when guys run, run the hurdles, you don't see them actually run the whole 110 in the hurdles. It's always they, they either at the starting block and then doing the hurdles a little bit, and then they'll get into it. It's, it's more so about, you know what I'm saying, seeing the end of it, and then we do a full speed from, from start to finish. Oh, no, I, I agree, Coach, and that's why I did a lot, of, especially this early this summer with our receivers, is top top of the route stuff. And that's, I mean, how I've, I, I listened to, who was it, Keenan Bailey, the quality control guy at Ohio State, talk about that yep. stuff and just how the importance of it. And I watched him clinic a couple times on it. Just, I mean, one, you don't, you just don't want to kill your kids' legs. If you're, if you're, exactly. you're going to run a million posts and fades and digs, you're just going to just kill their legs. I mean, Especially when you're maybe not as deep as some of their schools. Right. Like, I mean, it's one thing when you, you're a high school that's got 100 kids and you got 15 receivers. Okay, you might be able to do a little more if you're if everybody's getting a rep. But once you're in the season, I mean, you're let's be honest, you're getting two to four kids probably getting reps consistently. Totally. Like, yeah. so I mean, five through it's 15. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's 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 hard, and I mean, I. Like, no matter what the program is, I mean, honestly, I've, I've been blessed enough to coach at, you know, St. McKinley, obviously, and then Fern Creek, where I've had 10-plus um, wide receivers at both programs, even more than that. I mean, at McKinley, one time I had, like, 18, 19, almost 20 receivers. I think my first year at Fern Creek, I had about 20-some receivers. And um, it was wild <laughs> to try to fit it all in. But, um, like you mentioned, as time went on, you start seeing who your guys are. You know what I'm saying? The guys are going to actually play on that Friday night this afternoon or whenever you might play. Um, you don't take it away from the other guys, but the main thing is you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I incorporated everybody being involved. So we did do top of the route, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just having a guy come around out of the break or whatever, I'll have the other young man stand at 15, 16 yards and make a drill, you know what I'm saying? Make him dip his shoulder and come out of there cleanly instead of him trying to just me trying to talk through it. You know what I mean? Instead of just having it was just something that I came up with because you got bodies standing around. But you don't want to have bodies standing around. So I just said, hey, you stand here, hold the bag. You know what I'm saying? We work on, you know what I'm saying, the rip drill, anything like that downfield just to get everybody involved. But you're right. If, you're, if your numbers are, are low, 
Um, I'm not sure who who might see this, but if your numbers are low, the biggest thing is if you get a chance, I mean, you can start out during the summertime, but if you have spring ball to have down here in Kentucky, but if you start out in the summertime, you can start out with the full route just to teach it. But by the time camp is over, you get into the season, if you're still doing that, there's no way your guys are going to actually learn um, what it's like to come out that break because they're going to be exhausted by the second or third route. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Now, can I continue with routes? Is, is there any routes when you watch them that you think are poorly taught or mistaught or kids heavily struggle with? The slant route. I mean, that, that number one, it's crazy because you would think the slant, running slant is the easiest. But the slant route is the hardest to teach a young man because sometimes what they do is they turn into a bench or a mini dig or a mini in route or whatever the coach might call it. I know that everybody calls it something different. But, man, that three-step and 45 degrees, it, it, it turns into three steps and a mini post. <laughs> it turns into three steps and, you know what I'm saying, I'm going deep. But it is most it's the hardest because nine times out of ten, when you practice that route, you're doing it on air. And you're trying to tell the tell the young man, like, hey, when you put your foot in the ground, you want to aim, your aiming point should be the nearest linebacker. Always why you I don't want to say the nearest linebacker is because you're not gonna really run into him, but you trying to make sure that you don't run into him. And so either you're gonna try to run in front of him. Or if he obviously if he vacates that zone or if he blitzes or whatnot, you want to put your toes where his toes were. That's what I try to teach a young man to make it 45 degrees. Now, obviously, you know what I'm saying, depending on the zone, it might change. But uh, over the past, what, 11 years I've been coaching, slants and curls are the hardest because that coming out the break and exploding out, young men, either they raise up or they, they jog out of it or something like that. But, yeah. I mean, I, cause I don't even think that many teams run a comeback anymore. Not they true, the anyways. One. Yeah. Most of them could run the, one now with, like, what a lot of them call, like, a retracer route. Yeah. Like, no, you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a hard route. To, for quarterback and receiver, it's just a hard route to teach. I mean, I love the comeback. Yeah. Comeback and corners I, are probably yeah. my two favorite routes. And, I mean, and if I could, I would, throw, a, I would throw a curl every day. I mean, if, I could, if, if it was possible, I would, I would have a receiver run a curl every single play. Uh, you know how, I mean? how, how do you teach the curl out of curiosity? Um, the, the main thing about it is I want them to come back down the stem just to get them understanding coming back. And so what happened is, is I turned it into a track meet. And what I mean by that is I'll have a, uh, a DB or even myself. I put the cleats on in practice as well. And so what I do is at the top of the route, when, um, when they get to the, the the 14 yard mark, if you want to put it that way, 14, 15, depending on who the receiver is, when they get to that yard mark, I'll be standing about six, seven yards back. This is similar to DB they might have beaten. Okay. And I'll take off a full all out sprint. And what I'll do is I'll have the quarterback throw it, obviously, but what I'll do is I will make sure that they put the their body in between me and the ball to to try to simulate them putting themselves in between the defender and the ball. Now, I don't do it on a man-to-man thing because, you know what I'm saying, we're in practice and I'm not trying to get anybody hurt because in the game, of course, I was going to look different. But I honestly, I, it's a track meet, you know what I mean? And I learned that from watching, uh, we went to Memphis and the receiver coach from, it might have been Middle Tennessee, might have been Middle Tennessee State. Okay. He showed a video of, they had you know how they have those remote pop-ups 
Yeah. Apologies. But he actually had the remote pop up to where it took off. Okay. Instead of, you know, how some teams use it for the running backs and they dodge or whatever. So he had up, his, yeah. he pushed the button and it would take off like the defender. And I was like, hey, that's, that's kind of nice. Well, I'm in high school. I don't really have that. So I lace up the cleats every now and then and I do it. But the biggest thing is, um, obviously, when they go up, when they're running the route, you know, so I want them to break down, not literally like, you know what I'm saying, buzz their feet too much, but um, it's like we call it a speed cut to where they, you know, they break down, you know what I'm saying, test over the knee, knee over the toes, and they slow back out, like I said, back down the stem, um, and, and just come get the ball. And, of course, you don't know where the ball is at, and then, you know, we move, like I'll, I'll have like a linebacker that might be in that position, or we'll watch it on film, and I say, hey, of course, the window's supposed to be here in cover three, cover four, whatever cloud covers, whatever. This is where the window's supposed to be at. When you come out to break, have your eyes up. If your linebacker, because I mean, my guys read the cover. If your linebacker is sitting in your hole and you curl around him, sit in the open area, and just keep coming back to the ball, unless um, only one exception is, is when we play cover two team. Um, I don't have him come back. I have him pretty much sit in that cover two hole right there between the corner and the, uh, the, 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 I guess you say the linebacker that's supposed to have the, the curl, they'll sit right there in that window and just catch the ball at 10, 12 yards and fall down. But um, other than that, it's more so about sprinting up, breaking down and coming out of coming out of break. Okay. I, I want to hit on two more things before we go because um, I haven't, unfortunately, uh, my time is going to be cut short because I have a basketball game and I got to get ready for so. Uh, first of all, because I mean, we've we've chit chatted a little bit through DMs and following each other on Twitter. Um, first thing, I, I I mean, let's talk about mentoring student athletes real quick. Um, I know that's a big focus for you. I know I know you're um, very big on helping develop student athletes on and off the field. Uh, do you want to kind of talk about that for a minute and kind of what you do there and how you kind of mentor student athletes? Oh well, it it. it it really started out as um, just just it started out in high school. I was a part of a group called Teen Center Tall, and um, it was many of us, different athletes, you know. So we had basketball players, football players, track, so on and so forth. And the goal was to to honestly um, help the youth in the middle school, elementary school, not go down the same path that we did. Now, mind you, it sounded weird to the people that we were talking to because you have, you know, what I'm saying guys and females that are part of the organization that are that are free education as far as like athletics or whatever one state titles getting recognition we in the newspaper and it's like okay we don't want these young people to follow our path and it was like a double negative because okay we're successful you know what i mean on the on the playing surface but at the same time our parents you know what i'm saying our our upbringing or whatever the case might be was rocky and so what we wanted to show them was, like, no matter what you're going through in life, you know what I'm saying, you can take that situation and change it and make it into something positive. And when you hear the the, the inspirational speeches by the Inky Johnsons and everybody else saying the same thing, so um, for me, the mentoring part comes into uh, coming into play uh, as far as taking young people and putting them on different platforms so they can see what they, what they want to be in life. Um, Last year, I was in Detroit, or two years ago, I was in Detroit, and I heard a quote, and it stuck with me. Um, the quote is, um, the quote goes, a young person cannot be what he or she cannot see or touch. 
and I'll repeat that. It says a young person cannot be what he or she cannot see or touch. And when it when it when I heard it, it came full circle for me because we do college bus tours, we do college camp tours, we take kids to game day visits, we we help um, young men learn how to tie ties, uh, we do resume building uh, seminars and workshops, um, financial responsibility workshops, stuff like that. And it was just because um, everybody wants to be something. But the main thing is you you can sit there and tell a young person, okay, you're you're great at adding. Yeah. You should go into financing. But if you don't take that young person and put him in front of an accountant or take him to a bank and introduce him to somebody that might talk to him, then all you're doing is pretty much giving them uh, um, empty potential, as what one of my homeboys says down from Florida. Um, <laughs> He, uh, he always uses the, the statement that potential is like a glass of water sitting in a cabinet. If you don't pour that water on something, then it's just an empty, I mean, it's just a glass of water sitting there. And so the glass of water can be stimulated as a, as a young person. If you don't take that young person out of their environment, out of their element, and basically put them somewhere that they want to be, whether it's in college. It doesn't have to be a college football player. You can just say, hey, would you you want to go to college? Yes. You ever been to a college campus? No. Let's go to a college campus and just walk around. Like I've I've been blessed enough because I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky. That you know, said I went to Kentucky State, and I've actually taken some young people and we just walked around my campus, Kentucky State, not meeting people, not trying to brag on both or anything like that. But people don't understand that that's huge for a young person because a lot of people have never ever seen a college campus. They've ridden by it. They've never seen it. Um. And he just talk about life. Um, I'm huge on building relationships with the student athletes that I coach or just the students that I, I might teach in class as well. Um, and and I, I try to be transparent. Of course, I can't tell them everything because, you know, I'm an adult yeah. and there's a, some certain things they can't know. But the main thing is, uh, um, and I say this for any coach that's a young coach or anybody that, that thinks they knows it all, the main thing is with some of these students, the reason why they like you and, and they, they gravitate towards you is because you're transparent. It's not because you win state titles or you put guys in the NFL. It's just because you're transparent. And when you talk to them, you make them feel like they're human instead of being just a, a number in your class, so to speak, or a number on your football team. And so with the, the, the fellas and the women that I've collaborated with down here in Kentucky, um, we haven't, I'm not going to say we took it to another level, but the main thing we do is we take everything that's either how can I say? We take everything that we wanted when we were kids or that we either failed at and we gave it to them. So we failed at time management. Well, here's a calendar. You know what I'm saying? This is what you can do. This is your day-to-day. <clears throat> this is your day-to-day schedule. And we failed at financial money, like how to get a bank account or whatever. We, we, we do those kind of workshops as well. Um, and, and for me as a football coach, one of the main things that I do is I take the young men Every year, since I've been down here, every year I take a busload or a van load of young men on our football team and I take them to camp. And so what I do with that, well, what that is, is you get a chance to meet other young men, not just because they went to my high school or they're playing them, killing mass games, anything like that, but you get a chance to meet the young men that you may potentially get to meet when you go to college. You get to share stories right now instead of waiting until you get to college. And um, with social media, I mean, the, the, the opportunities are endless because these guys talk all the time about life experience and stuff like that. And they always come back and be like, coach, and I greatly appreciate you for introducing me to so-and-so, so-and-so. Man, I didn't know that if I didn't do this, 
um, this will happen. And so that goes into putting a certain certain putting people on that platform and allowing them to see certain things because truth be told, um, a lot of young people um, in our cities that we coach or we teach, some of them have never been outside of that city mm-hmm. ever. And if they if they continue on the same path, they may never leave that city. So hundred percent correct, um, coach. Say what now? That's hundred percent correct. That's why I like yeah. doing um like when we do like scrimmages and like seven on sevens. I always expect with like head coach, I always encourage him to like let's find somewhere that isn't nearby. Like exactly, I know the bus rides suck. I hate being on a bus too, but. Some of our kids, like, have never been at, like, where I'm at now. They've never left the East Dayton area. They just haven't. So, like, I mean, before COVID hit, we were, we were going to go to North Columbus and 7-on-7, uh, seven seven, my buddy, and um, Thomas Worthington. Like, yeah. so, I mean, like, that, that's true. And the same thing when we were in Marion Elgin. Like, some of our kids have never been out there. So, we took them, like, the Canton one year for the, to go Hall of Fame. And we took some other yeah. place. Like, they're just – if you don't expose them to things, some of them may just never leave. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's 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 the biggest mentoring part of it, man. And just trying to take the youth and put them in a position that um, they never thought they'd be in. I mean, we we've done, like I said before, we've done unofficial college visits at schools. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously, I'm from Ohio, so I know a lot of Ohio, the, the Ohio college coaches, and so we we'll go and just hang out. And it blows their mind how easy it is to get into those positions as far as getting into college. And you know what I mean? The, the coolest thing is. When they're sitting in the team meeting rooms or the seminar rooms or sitting in the in the locker room or the stadium or whatever, the, the, the coolest thing of every trip, no matter where we go, no matter what the school is, and when you see those young people ask questions like, hey, coach, how did you get here? Hey, coach, where are you from? What made you want to come here? Isn't it far from where you grew up at and stuff like that? You know what I mean? That's, that, that's the key to it because they're not asking, well, how much does it cost to get to school? They're trying to find out what pathway you took to get to where you are right now, no matter if it was good, bad, great, bumpy, no matter what the case might be, because they're trying to figure out if they can do it. And I find that so cool, man, because like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, it's a waste of time to go on these unofficial college visits. No, it's not, because some of these kids have never, ever seen yep. the highway, never, ever seen a college campus, Never ridden in, the, in, a, in a charter bus, never ridden in a real car, whatever the case might be. Never, we we teaching young men how to tie a tie. You know what yeah. I mean? Being something small as that, they they've never done it. So, um, the, the mentoring aspect of it is big, but the, the main thing about it is, like I mentioned before in the beginning, the main thing is just being transparent, very very transparent, and putting them on different platforms, not the platforms that I think they're comfortable with being on, but just anywhere I can find. It doesn't even matter. I don't. I don't really care. Yeah. But. And, and then the last thing I got for you before we wrap up is, is you wanted to talk a little bit about recruiting. And I know, and I think um, who, Coach Gaskin almost wanted to, when he talked to, to me about you, bring up some recruiting stuff with you. So how involved are you with that, with your players and other players? And how, how, how does that work for you? I'm, um, I'm 100% hands on recruiting with the kids that I, at the, at the school that I'm at and, some of the kids throughout the Midwest, um, literally 100% hands-on, from talking to the coaches to to going to the uh, to going to the college visits, to just finding out what schools the young men are interested in, all that stuff. Um, and, and I find it, I find it satisfying. Not because it's like, okay, well, let me pound myself on the, on the chest or pat myself on the back and say, hey, I did it. But it's more so, truthfully, more so because I get a chance to travel. 
selfishly, <laughs> I get a chance to travel, visit these different schools that I've never seen before. Like I'm down here in Kentucky, you know what I'm saying? I've never been to Eastern Kentucky. I've never been to Thomas Moore. I've never been to Kentucky Wesleyan or some of the schools down here. So now I got an opportunity to see these schools and talk to these coaches and learn about their cultures and so on and so forth. Um, but the recruiting aspect of everything, man, it's more so about building relationships and understanding the school's needs and what you can do at that school. I mean, everybody's like, well, I want to go to this particular school. But the main thing is, does it fit you? You know what I'm saying? And I learned that at McKinley. I mean, we had some young men that went to Ohio State and so on, so, so on, folks. But there was one young man that I coached um, that I brag about a lot. He ended up going to the University of Buffalo. And when you think of the University of Buffalo, it's like, I and mean, it's cold over there. <laughs> but that's an understatement, coach. I mean, it was, hey, I did Niagara Falls, whole nine yards. Like, I mean, I went to, I yeah. was at almost, I was a lot of his games, and it was kind of cool because the thing is, um, it fit him. Yeah. I mean, it was exactly what he wanted from from top to bottom, education-wise, athletic-wise, the environment, the culture, everything was what he wanted. He had opportunity to go, go Big Ten and do some other stuff, but he chose University of Buffalo, and I was like, well, okay, you got a snowsuit. <laughs> and, um, but that's, that's the cool thing about the recruitment process because you learn the stuff that you think you know. You know what I mean? You think that if a kid has this ACT or this GPA, they can go here. But in all actuality, if that coach doesn't need that kid, he's not going, no matter who he is. Um, and that's going on right now with the recruitment process at the moment because there are so many schools out here that are pretty much locked and loaded with this fifth year that they're giving their their seniors. Oh yeah. And so a lot of young men are are like scrambling for stuff. A lot of parents are are confused um, on what to do. And the only advice I've given them is ask the coach. I'm saying communicate with the coach. Yeah. If the coach calls your son and and, and says, "Hey, we have interest." Ask him those questions that, you know what I'm saying, you need to ask him, is he going to be able to be on the team, first of all? Don't worry about the money part of it. Is he going to be on the team? Um, and when it comes down to the the other part of the recruitment process, and I'm going to steal this from, from my guy, Curtis Blackwell, Detroit, Michigan, um, it's not about Division One. It's not about, about Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, anything like that. It's about Division Free. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you can go to school for, for free, that's what it's all about. Now, of course, with Division yep. Two and below, um, there's some some package deals stuff like that. But the main thing is, we we the whole D one or bus idea is killing a lot of these young men oh, and yeah. women. You know what I mean? Because I I played at Division Two level and I got a great education and some great experiences and I know a lot of teammates of mine and even some other young men that played at the at the uh, I guess you say the low end level, um, and we're doing fine just as well as those that played at Ohio State. I mean, Mike Doss is one of my closest friends. Obviously, he's one of my teammates in high school, and the stuff he's doing, I pretty much <laughs> if I wanted to, I could do the same thing. You know what I mean? Except yeah. for playing in the NFL for however many years. But um, but it, 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 the recruiting process right now, and it's probably going to be like this for a couple of years, is, is one that people need to be more and more understanding of. It is not your friend. <laughs> but the cool thing is you got to embrace it and appreciate it because um, one young man and I'll end with this because I want to go over one <clears throat> one thing that a lot of young people don't understand is you don't you don't it's not guaranteed that you're going to go to college and play in athletics there's no guarantee in that and so one thing I tell a lot of young people is man enjoy it 
if a college coach calls you and has a conversation with you about anything, enjoy that. Because there might be somebody next door to you or sitting right next to you or whatever it may be that didn't get that phone call. It is a blessing and an honor to be recruited in any aspect, D1, D2, D3, whatever. So I tell people all the time, man, don't, don't shun it because it's not the school that you want to go to. Accept it and appreciate it and see that school might be the school for you. I mean, yeah. it's, you don't have to go to University of Louisville. There's nothing wrong with going to Kentucky Wesleyan or, or you can't go to Ohio State. Ain't nothing wrong with going to Ohio Dominican. Yeah. I mean, free is free. Free, so, free is free or, and <laughs> cheaper is cheaper. I mean, if you save, save half the price to go there, I mean, absolutely. D2 or if D2 or D3 is able to find you a bunch of grant and scholarship money, take advantage of it. I mean, save yourself yeah. some money. I mean, that's the other thing kids don't realize is that that private schools can find money. Now, it's still going to be loans to a point, but they can – I mean, when they're private and they're D2, D3, they can just chop, make money disappear because they're private. Like, there's no state uh, minimums. Like, I can buy this. Exactly. So, well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully we can get you on again soon. Um like I said, I appreciate Coach. His contact information, at least his uh, Twitter, will be in the bio. For anybody who wants to reach out to him, talk maybe some more receiver play, talk a little bit more about mentoring and some of the other stuff he's involved in, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to him. Um, and then I hope everybody stays safe, stay healthy. Thank you again, Coach. No problem, man. Look forward to coming back.